eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. Welcome, welcome. It's the Jill on Money show and it's Friday. It's Friday, February 4th, which means today we will get a monthly jobs report from the Labor Department. This one's going to be all over the place. I just want you to know I have uh, all the different economists that I follow and I have a range right now written on a piece of paper that says minus 250 to plus 250. So I have no idea what's going to happen. We know that the variant will likely impact these numbers pretty dramatically, potentially, or maybe not. I'll give you a, a debrief of this tomorrow morning. Okay, I promise. Okay, so now, Mark, this is exciting. Um, my friend Raul has said that we need to change the name of the show. Yep, we need a new show. He says, don't call it Jill on Money, call it Jill on Life. I love this idea, Raul. I'm not changing the name of the show, but wouldn't it be kind of fun, Mark, for us to just do like a little like, feature about Jill on life. I think I kind of sprinkle it in, but maybe we'll consider that. What do you guys think? Just like a, a answer a random question about something not financially related? I don't know. I like it. Anyway, I love Raul. So thank you for that, Raul. I hope you're listening. Uh, all right, let's get to some questions. This is from John who writes, shortly my wife and I will be hiring an attorney to develop our will and trust. Woohoo! Way to go, John and his wife. Okay. Some questions. A law firm in the city where I live, which specializes in estate planning, has attorneys that are both obviously past the bar. They're attorneys and also CPAs and others are attorneys only. 
Our combined net worth is three to four million dollars. Most of the assets are in stocks and mutual funds. Our home mortgage will be paid off this month. Wow. I own some farmland. It's not my main source of income. I'm looking for guidance on the pros of cons to go with an attorney only or an attorney who is also a CPA. Secondly, what guidance do you have uh, regarding a single trust for us versus individual trusts for me and my wife? P.S. John says, I'm an avid podcast listener and yours is one of my ongoing favorites. Thank you, John. Um, Okay. I don't think you need a CPA. I think that sometimes there are some very interesting tax issues that are associated with estates. But if it sounds like doesn't sound like you have a huge, complicated estate, you've got the house, you've got the stocks and the mutual funds, you've got some farmland. I would just say that if you have a qualified estate attorney, that should be just fine. I don't know where you live, but um, sometimes people like the idea of having a family trust that gets split. Some people like individual trusts. I would just take the advice of the attorney. Um, when the attorney hears what your situation is, she'll go out and say, this is what I think you should do. And and it really does depend a lot on this, your own circumstances. So take that advice and um, let them determine. I'm not a lawyer. I don't even play one on TV. Okay, Robert writes, I'm a 79-year-old retired man. I've got a monthly income of $4,400. I have a bank savings account of $200,000, earning almost no interest. What should I do? I listen to talk radio a lot. I've got high anxiety that my money will become useless. How can I preserve my savings to leave to my two daughters? My rent is $1,300. I've got no debt. Financial advisors on the radio say money will be going away. The government will take control. Okay, like stop that. That's silly. Don't do that. Do not buy gold or silver. Do not put money in a safe deposit box. You've got a bank savings account. Is it your only asset? That's my question to you. Do you only have, is this the only money you have? Why do I ask that? If this is it and you've got your monthly income and it's just this $200,000, you could put some of it in a, maybe a, a, a CD or a higher earning money market, but I'm not really willing to put this money into anything but a safe account if it's all the money you have in the world. But if you then say to me, oh, no, no, that's just my bank savings account. I have a million dollars in a retirement account. Um, then it's something different. So I need a little bit more information. You know, yes, there is inflation, um, but the interest rate environment is changing. You're going to earn more interest on your accounts going forward. But I don't want you to be buying gold or silver or put any money in a safe deposit box. Please, please, please don't do such a thing. Okay. I mean, I have a radio show, but maybe you got to stop listening to talk radio. Scott listens to us on KYW in Philadelphia. Way to go. I love KYW. Great station. I've got some tech stocks with lots of unrealized gains, but have low dividend yields. I'm nearing retirement. I'd like to get more yield from my portfolio. What's the most tax efficient way to do this? Well, hmm. Okay. Um, You don't give us the numbers, but... Is it possible that you are, um, when you retire, that you consider selling some of the stocks, some of those tech stocks, when, you know, you're, you're in a low tax environment, meaning that let's just say that you've got a whole, some tech stocks, you retire, and I don't know if you're single or married, but let's just say that you, um, let's say that you are married and uh, you have income that will be somewhere between zero and $83,000. Then you might pay 0% capital gains rates. 
I don't know. I don't know what your situation. If you're single and you make up to $41,675, and maybe you will when you retire, right? I don't know. Um, then you will pay 0% capital gains or 15% if, you're, if you make more than that. Maybe it's worth it to pay those capital gains now. Again, when you retire and your income goes down and your tax bracket goes down, it might be a great idea for you to lock that in right now. So I need more details, but I don't think you should be scared of paying taxes. It's a very, very low tax environment right now, especially for capital gains. Okay. All right. Carol is a 40-year-old single woman. She's got no children, no debt. I like that. I've got no children, no debt, as if that's like the same thing. Um, I've got about $262,000 in my savings and checking account, which is an emergency fund as well as a down payment for a possible future house, which has been on the back burner for many years. She also has a retirement account of $880,000, which is a Roth IRA, a rollover IRA, a brokerage account, and a, uh, an employer plan. She maxes out her IRA and her retirement plan through work. She puts $24,000 into her brokerage. She wants to retire early at age 55 and then maybe find a part-time or a per diem job. What else can I do now to facilitate achieving my goal considering the current market volatility? Why would the market volatility change your plan? That's, that's not an issue here. The market being volatile should not alter the plan. You know what the plan needs to do? The plan needs to contemplate how much money do you need to live on, okay? And then work backwards from there. You've heard me do this on the program all the time. So we need to figure out how much money do you need to live on. And then we need to figure out how much money we need to accumulate by the time you're 55. And we'll get you there. But I need to hear many more details about this. For example, when you're 55, what are you going to do with uh, for health insurance? Are you going to figure that you'll go on the Affordable Care Act? Are you do a pension? Are we trying to accumulate enough money outside of retirement so that you don't have to claim Social Security until you're 70? So many questions. Anyway, this is the problem when they don't come on the air live with me, Mark. It's very hard. I have all those follow-up questions. All right, Sarah says, I'm a CPA sole practitioner with a stack of truly wonderful clients that I look forward to serving each year. Many of my elderly clients are tired of being landlords and they'd love to sell their highly appreciated and highly depreciated rental properties. Obviously, once I share the capital gain calculations, they are aghast. Several of them have considered investments that qualify for a 1031 exchange. I would love your take on strategies to vet these investments and assess the risk. You know, here's the thing. I am very wary of people who are freaked out about paying taxes. I mean, a 1031 exchange is completely awesome strategy. But remember, you actually, what, it, what this means is, essentially, is that you take all the tax that's accrued in this property and you buy another property and that property then sort of takes on all the tax issues that are, that are bubbling in your current property. Usually what I try to do is to find somebody who really does this for a living 
what's the good news about this? I mean, this is sort of an interesting idea. It kind of makes it, it takes this one property that's annoying and tough to manage and makes it a passive investment. You're diversified. But I don't know, like, I mean, how I, you need an attorney who knows this. You need someone who knows this business. I don't know this business. I'm sure there are some that are better than than others. It's just very difficult um, from my perspective to say, oh, you know, you're an older client and I'm now getting you involved in an investment that has a whole different risk parameter. Maybe just sell the goddamn house. Sorry to say that, gang. Pay the tax and move on. Maybe. I don't know. The 1031, it's confusing. You need a lawyer. You need the, I think people who specialize in 1031 exchanges, um, they, they're also real estate folks who do it. But, you know, having fractional shares is interesting. We've had some of these um, conversations on the air before, but I don't know, like some of these are going to do well. Some of them aren't. And maybe I'd just rather pay the tax, have my money and invest it in a, in a way that I feel much more comfortable investing over the long term. Does that make sense? Sarah, I think you and I should figure out what, maybe I'll have to get them. Mark, maybe we should get somebody who is knowledgeable in this idea. But I do think that a 1031 exchange is complicated, but this this is a, a tough decision because I know people don't want to pay taxes. It's not just capital gains, guys, because what it means is that when you own rental property, you depreciate that property every year in your taxes, and then you've got to recapture all of that depreciation. That's a tough one. But thanks. It's a very smart question. Sarah, the CPA, listens to the show. You got to love that. And you're listening to the show and you're smart and we appreciate that. When you have a financial question, we encourage you to go to jillonmoney.com and you click the contact us button. It's so great. It's Friday, so we do some business. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. He's the best one in the world. Just I'm telling you that right now. We are distributed by the fine people at Cadence 13, and we especially love both Lizzie and Yenikin who run our lives at Cadence 13, so we love them the most. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.